House of Loud. You see, we used to be pussweeds, but now we're metal. House. Really real. Oh. And living this year over metal endoskeleton. Loud. House of Loud. Talking metal and hard rock with Shane Alvarado and Jason Lee. House of Loud. Welcome back. It is the house of loud. What's happening? Hey, man. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm Jason. This is Shane. We are uh, here to talk metal. Yeah. 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 We we love metal. You love metal. That's why you're listening. We thank you very much. Yeah. And if you uh, think if if you see any of your friends go to a Nickelback concert and they post anything from that show, especially throwing up the devil horns, I feel they should lose two fingers. (laughs) What brought that on? I don't know. Force feeding you some Nickelback lately? No, it was just uh, uh, Nickelback played uh, down at Ruoff recently and I saw a bunch of people (laughs) and they were throwing up the the old Ronnie James Dio uh, Dio horns and I'm like... When Taylor Swift can throw up the metal horns. Lop lop both of those fingers off. Can't anybody do it these days? Like grandparents (laughs) are doing it. You know, it's just a sign of affection now. I guess. It doesn't even mean anything. But speaking of that, actually I want to lead into this episode uh because of uh, something affectionate my wife said your love for nickelback no uh something going back to a couple of shows before when we were actually the pantera show yes when you were talking about we said is it really pantera is it with with missing two members but we could say that about so many other bands, right, right right so um my wife is a big dawkin fan okay and we saw that dawkin is going to come to yes. town now is it really dawkin it's Don. That's about it. It's Don, you know? and uh, I think Mick's still drumming. So there you go. So you got so, two, yeah. two out of the four. Really. Yeah, and so. Jeff is touring with Foreigner right now, and yeah. and, and yeah. Um, they they hate George. And so. but they've reunited a couple times actually over the yeah. last couple of summers. So mm-hmm. that actually leads to what my next point was. Now, if you if you listen to Eddie Trunk or anything you know like that, like guys like that, the whole not playing live thing is a whole deal now. Okay, and I said. I'm okay with it, I guess, to a to a point, because like I know if I go see Iron Maiden, which I did last fall, I know Bruce Dickinson was wasn't hitting all those notes so beautifully as it sounded, and it's like I'm okay with that. I'm there for the whole show, the whole experience, and like wow, I saw Iron Maiden maybe for the last time. Who knows? Who knows? But Don Dawkins coming to town. My wife loves Don Dawkins. She's and I said, hey, Dawkins coming to town. She's like, oh, I want to go. I said, hang on. I said, let me play a video of him from two <laughs> weeks ago singing wherever with with George Lynch. You know, oh, so George is touring. With I mean, him. I think he's just doing, just kind of popping up. Oh, so okay. I don't think it was a. I mean, at that point, you're at three quarters of Doc. Right, but uh, honestly, it didn't matter because if you heard what he oh. sounded like, oh yeah, and she saw that and she immediately goes, "I don't want to go." No, I'm it'll not. ruin your childhood. Exactly. Exactly. One hundred percent. Exactly. I'm like, do you want that to be your memory of this guy? Yep, that's mine. I saw him <laughs> in '97 for the first time. It was the original four. Yeah. Right. It was Jeff, Mick, George, and Don. It was awesome. Fantastic. They yeah. opened with uh, "Kiss of Death," and it was <laughs> come on now. Uh, and then I saw them four or five years ago with Jack uh, Jack Russell's Great White, and it was just Don and some hired guns. Yeah. And Don. It wasn't just bad. It was <laughs> outwardly, purposefully, insultingly bad. Like, he knows the product he's yeah, getting. Yeah, And he doesn't care. Yeah. There's no, I'm going to give it my best. It's, I'm apathetic about the entire situation. <laughs> and when I'm not on the microphone, I'm going to be stage left, hanging out, just waiting for my damn turn. When it gets to 15 seconds from time to sing, I'm going to mosey my fat 70-year-old ass out there, <laughs> and I'm going to into the microphone, and then I'm going to mosey off to the side of the stage until my next time. Yeah. It's really bad. Really bad. And yeah. I love me some docking. I do, too. You have no idea yeah. how much I listen to Tooth and Nail. Yeah. Oh. Well. Tooth and Nail and Back yeah. back for the Attack. Yeah. Come on now. Just, uh, wow. Incredible. <laughs> So, yeah. So, that that's, I mean, so I, I, I see comments when people go, oh, you know, I, it's not about what he sounds like. It's seeing him for the last time. I'm like, <laughs> is it? I'm like, again, I, I don't want to ruin my childhood or anything mm-hmm. like that or the last time I saw them. That's, right? I don't I don't want that. I did get to talk yeah. to Don like 10 years ago or something like that, uh, maybe 11 years ago, something like that. And that leads a us while to back. our uh, topic yeah. of our episode tonight. And it was a cool interview. He's, a, he's, a, he's obviously, he's a lead singer. Lead yeah. singers enjoy speaking. <laughs> Uh, but he was—he had a lot to say, and the things I, I needed to go back and listen to this interview again because it's been a long time. I don't remember specifics. I do remember that he hated George Lynch, 
And George Lynch at one point roided out on a bus and attacked the band. <laughs> the, I rem- the vague memory of that yeah. that uh, yeah. interview, and it was nasty. And then a few years later, I saw that they were trying to find a way to get back together. Yeah. I'm like, well, it's because this interview only played in Fort Wayne. <laughs> right? It did not make it to the global yeah. situ- you know consciousness. Otherwise, I don't know if they'd have been able to you know uh, bridge that divide. Yeah. Well, there was money to be made, so I guess yeah. that's true. And then uh, George Lynch got a new record out, I think, uh, sep- middle of September. I think. Oh, does he really? Anyway, anyway. <laughs> anyway, well, and Don Dawkins also has a new record out. And if you listen to it, it is again just like going back to his line performances. It's like every electronic trick was thrown Studio to try to make him sound some resemblance of what he was. Probably syllable at a time. The he, way yeah. I, I heard that Michael Wagner had to build Sebastian Bach's vocals on the first kid row. A syllable at a time. Wow! Because he couldn't. He didn't. He was just yeah. like twenty or something like yeah. that. And he was. He was. He was raw. Yeah. He hadn't quite gotten his chops yet. Apparently, that's the rumor. I don't know. Yeah. I wasn't in the studio. Yeah. It happened in Lauderdale just as I moved yeah. there, and I wanted to go in and say hi to my, you know, I was seventeen year old kid, and you know, see if I can sit into the studio. Hey, I'm going to school for sound and blah blah blah. And um, uh, it did not happen. <laughs> 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 they they made sure that no one was even allowed. In the, like I thought I could at least get in the building because I was a, I was an adorable seventeen year old kid with frizzy hair living twelve hundred miles from home from going to college. Right? Come on, come on, let me in. And uh, you know, it, yeah, there was no getting in the building to even try batting my eyelashes. <laughs> it did not work. You know, I wanted to go. Uh, so uh, that leads us to our topic. We are both professionals. I think. I think we've. Ish. I think between the two of us, we got like 50 years yeah. in the radio professional-ish. business. Professional-ish. Yeah, professional-ish. Um, I'm mostly in sports, so my interviews that I've done, mostly sports guys, never really done any mu- music interviews at all, but you've obviously done a lot. So I thought it might be fun to say, who would we would like to interview? Why? Maybe some questions. Okay. Stuff like that. So well, I want to start with a story, because I remember the first guy you ever interviewed was uh, George Clinton. It was. Man, good memory. Yeah, because I remember that day quite well because you had just gotten full-time DJ. You were yep. finally made it and uh, just started a new uh, pop station. Yeah. Yeah, a new <laughs> pop station. And, Hits 96.3. Uh, yeah, and, uh, uh, and, and uh, the master funk himself, George Clinton, was in town, and it wasn't even like, like the station was playing George Clinton. It was just... We kind of, the station kind of attached itself to the show. Yeah, he's going to call in. And yeah, and he was going to call in. And it was like, you were like the only one on the air. And I remember you, you're being, you're totally nervous about this. Oh my God. You were, you were. And because it's like, it's George Clinton. I'm like, he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and this is the first guy I'm talking to. Right. What do I talk to him about? <laughs> right. And we ended up uh, a little bit of music, but mainly his art. He has, yeah. uh, he does uh, painting and stuff. So we ended up yeah. talking about that just because. I know when you're talking to somebody, they are tired of the, hey, man, what were you thinking when you wrote Atomic Dog? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, man, could you tell me what it was like working with Bucci Collins? <laughs> you know? It was probably a lot, a lot of fun, but yeah. I'm sure he's tired yeah. of answering that question. Yeah. He's like, Bucci hasn't been in the band in 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? And I'm glad you said what you just said, because the, we both came up with our own little lists. I came up with like three, and maybe Jason came up with, with a few. But the first person on my list, it, it seems to me a little cliche, but Gene Simmons. But- I would not ask him one thing about Kiss. I would ask <laughs> him about you. the movies he made in the 80s. Oh, that's oh my what God. we what was would the talk one he did about. with uh, Tom Selleck? Runaway. Runaway. Oh. What a fantastic <laughs> movie for its time. Not I don't know if it, it was ever fantastic, that, not that it holds up. Now, it was 1985. I, even in 1985, I don't think that was a great movie. I loved it. <laughs> I mean, 1985, I mean, that had some really, really good movies. You know, Terminator had been made by then. Yeah. <laughs> so, eh. Well, eh. do you remember Gene Simmons' movie he did with um, uh, John Stamos? Yes, I never do. too young to die. Yes, and he was half drag. He was remember that? Yeah, he was kind of uh, the demon. He was kind of his own character, but half know? his body he was dressed as right. a woman. Right? Right? Am I but remembering he, that correctly? It, yeah. Well, I don't. Well, I don't remember that. But I remember he was all glammed up. That's all I remember. It okay. was like just take the makeup fully off and just put eyeshadow on him, and it was very much of the times. Put it that way. <laughs> Last time I saw. That movie in any capacity was 1987, man. <laughs> I vaguely remember bits and pieces. The fact that I remember it exists and that it was with John Stamos, Stamos of blows all my mind because I've never been a huge Stamos fan, yeah. right? I've never been like, ooh, look at the mullet, right? Like, man, look at this guy. He's cool. He played with the Beach Boys, you know? I never thought that. I was never down with some, what was his name in Full House? Uncle Jesse. Uncle Jesse. That's right. I couldn't remember. 
Was he the cut it out guy? No, that was Dave Coulier. Dave Coulier. The reason for you ought to know. There you go. Man. You're on it. I'm all around this. <laughs> You're hot tonight. <laughs> so what but would you ask, that's Jim, what I, outside I would, of the movies? Well, I would say, you know, because during that time, well, I would mention Kiss, the fact that he was pretty much absent, but yet they were still making records. I mean, if you read Paul Stanley's book, you know, he, it was basically Paul Stanley keeping the band alive and then Gene coming in, laying down some bass tracks and throwing his name on it. He was trying to I become, didn't know that. Yeah, he was trying to become an actor. So I think like Animalized and Asylum, like those were all like Paul Stanley basically did everything. So hold on. My favorite Kiss records were just Paul Stanley records? I think so. I would have figured the more metal <laughs> stuff would have been Gene. I, just, I don't picture Paul as being the dude that's writing the metal riffs. Yeah. I picture him as being the guy that's, you know... I was made for loving you. Again, if my memory serves me, it's been probably a decade well, since I read that You would that know better book. than I. So, uh, but I remember that that he was off busy trying to be a movie star. Gotcha. And so I would ask him, like, what happened to that? Because he was in the three features. The other feature, uh, well, he where he was, you know, had a big part. He was in another movie called Wanted Dead or Alive. What was that? With Rutger Hauer. I don't remember yeah, that. You should. Rutger Hauer. Is that the hobo with a shotgun guy? Uh, I'm not sure. What is that from? <laughs> it's a movie from like 10 years uh, okay. ago. Hobo with a Shotgun. I think it was Rutger okay. Hauer. But R- Rutger Hauer uh, was kind of a quasi-action star mm-hmm. in the 80s. Hitcher, right? Yeah, there you go. Yep. And Gene Simmons played uh, is an Islamic terrorist. What? And it was like, yeah. Well, he is, he's Israeli. He's very, very ethnic. Just yeah, like he's myself. Israeli, so he's that makes sick. sense. Yeah, yeah. So the movie, I don't remember much. I mean, again, I probably watched it a bunch in 1986 or 87 when it came out. (laughs) I haven't watched it since, but I remember Gene Simmons was, I thought he was really good at it, but then again, I was 13 years old, so I couldn't tell you if it was good or not. Right. 13 year old standards he was. Yeah. But I always thought that he played a really good bad guy. And I'm like, you could have been a Bond villain. I'm like, I think he's got the look. He really could have. And in this movie, the most epic ending death scene I don't think anyone knows about. I uh, spoiler alert. He's the bad guy. Rutger Hauer is the the hero, right? Rutger Hauer's the hero. Puts I, a, I'm trying to wrap my head around that. Right. Puts a grenade in Gene Simmons' mouth and pulls the pin, runs away, and he the <laughs> the camera goes out to a long shot and then he blows up. I mean, awesome. it's an awesome way to kill the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine Gene Simmons had he been able to make a, uh, a yeah make a mark in mu- movies and eventually end up in TV as like a dad like a TV dad exactly. in a sitcom exactly or something, yeah. you know or or like yeah. an eight is enough type of show yeah yeah God that would have been great which he could have been you I know? mean yeah I mean he you know had his own reality show but then after that it was all you know bit parts you know you kind of he sprinkled in TV shows right. and things like that um, but I mean I thought that G- that would would I be talking about. I'm like, I'm talking about your acting career. I'm like, what that would have? What if you would have gotten a big role and it become would would Kiss Me No More? Would it have stopped? Would you have? Now the Tom Selleck movie had were they like fast running spider robots? Yes, I remember yes. that. Yeah, and it was a, it was like a heat seeking bullet. That's yeah, what, and it went under yeah. cars and stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. He had and all they, these they did a point of view video yeah. from it. Man, yeah. you're bringing back memories from when I was. <laughs> I mean, God, I was in a freshman year in high school. When I the last time I saw that movie, yeah, probably. yeah, uh, I actually I've seen it not that too long ago. Does it hold it, up? Not well. No, again, it's eighties fabulous. And now <laughs> it was a movie that was based in the future, so I'm not sure right. what year like it was. Free Jack, so obviously, it's <laughs> yeah, like Free Jack. Yeah, nothing really came to uh, fruition. Uh, there's no heat seeking bullets or anything. Like no, that. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the movie itself, again, of its time, sure. Uh, but no, I would love to just talk to him about like what would have happened if you had gotten if you become a Bond villain if you had been offered that role of you know of the Robert Davi uh, you know very kind of similar uh, looking I think you know he gotcha. could have been some kind of yeah uh, this, uh, what like probably an oil baron or something yeah, like that yeah yeah so I, I, that's what I would love to talk to him about like. Trick or Treat, which we'll do an entire episode <laughs> on the movie Treat. Trick or Treat Absolutely. when we get closer to, to Halloween, Well, because it's one of the greatest. It is one of the greatest. Yeah, We're going to have to rewatch it together. Yeah. We're going to have to get together. Let's do it. Rewatch it. I haven't seen that since I was 15 I watch it old. every year. When, it was, when I was 15, it was one of those uh, yeah. angels singing on high yes. kind of thing. Like, yes. I'm watching this great movie. Is Ozzy a preacher? Oh, my God. Ozzy's a preacher. Right? I'll, you know? I'll, I'll, I'll watch it every year. <laughs> Sammy Terry, man. But he was, Gene Simmons was offered the role of Sammy Curry. Sammy Curry. Curry. That's Sam right. Kerr. Sam, Sam, Sammy Curry. Yeah. Uh, who was the, the villain. Sammy Terry. Was he a local? 
Was Sammy Terry? <laughs> I don't know. Did he host a local like monster feature show? I don't know. I think he did. Okay. Anyway, anyway, I digress. Sam, Sam Kerr, Sammy Kerr. Okay, thank you. Um, so he was actually offered the the lead, and he turned it down. Uh, so they gave him just the and the reason why he's like he he always wanted to be a DJ. He's like I loved Wolfman Jack. He goes, I always thought a DJ is the coolest gig ever. So it's like that's how he became Nuke in oh, that okay. movie, and he has that five minute thing where he's the DJ. So. Which he was actually really good in that right. five minutes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what I, because I, I mean, I've seen Gene Simmons do interviews and people, and he rips them apart because he's been doing this for so long. And it's right. like, that's, that's I, a stupid I question. Him. That's all. It's like, I would, it's like, I would not, I wouldn't even feel comfortable asking him anything about this right? at all. Oh, trick or treat, man. Back to that. The, the fact that the soundtrack was Fastway, mm. which was, which was, uh, was that, who was that from Motorhead? Clark. Yes, yes. Uh, it was, it was um, Fast City Clark. Yep. Uh, yeah, and and it was um, um, Phil. Was it Pete Way? He, he wasn't in the band. Pete Way wasn't. Uh, Pete Way actually, again, if my memory serves me, and I have to look it up. It was it was fa- it was Fast Way. It was Fast City yeah. Clark, and and it was uh, Ray. So he actually quit the band before they even oh, like got in the studio. That. Yeah. What? <laughs> so he wasn't. I don't. I'm pretty sure he was not on any of the records. Wow. But he actually okay. quit the band that he formed. That's incredible. But again, I. Look that up, please. That is my memory. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Interesting. You learn something new every day, yeah, Shane. Yeah. So, um, no. I, we'll, 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 again, we'll watch that movie, and we're going to do a whole episode Yeah, that sounds like fun. It. And because there's so many people who don't know about it. There's another movie called Trick or Treat, or, you know, that came out much later. But when I say, have you seen Trick or Treat? What is that? You know? like well, you're For our age, it was in every magazine. Completely missing out. Every magazine had a full-page ad for this and the, movie. And the best soundtrack Oh well, yeah, yeah. I will still listen to that. Love Fastway, yeah, really do. So that would that would be my uh, that's on my one on my list too. I would again, but that's the approach I would do it. I would not ask him about Kiss for the Music Business or anything. It would be about the movies and why aren't you a big movie star? (laughs) Right, (laughs) because the money is in the in the music at this point. Yeah, and but you know why aren't you this huge you know right villain go you know the go to guy to be the villain? (laughs) It should be you. He he is a villain. Yeah, I mean we see him talk. He is a villain. Yeah, he he, he's unabashedly so. You know what? And I know that you you got that uh, you know the perception of Gene Simmons, but every book I have read. That has got a story about Gene Simmons. It is nothing but he is an awesome dude. He gives off that vibe that he's an a-hole. I mean, he, yeah, he wrote a song. <laughs> yeah. I'm an a-hole. Uh, but every book, it's like he, he's actually just the nicest really? guy in the world. Like um, in Frankie Bellow's book, which is another person who I would love to interview because he's my guy. But um after he wrote the books, like you answered all my questions. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. What can but, I ask you? But he has a story where him and his buddy, they found out somehow, some way, he was 15 years old, 1977, that Kiss was recording in this studio near where he lived in New York. So they, him and his buddy conned their way into the studio. To, they, they got in and they're looking around, looking for Kiss. Where, you know, are they in here? And they're, you know, they walk into the studio, go to the studio, and they see Gene Simmons laying on a couch listening to something play back. And they're like, oh my God, there's that's Gene Simmons. <laughs> and he, they knock on the door or whatever, they let him in. And Gene was like, what? You know, first he was put off, but then he was like, the blast plate, the, the brass plated cherries on you guys to come in here and do this is incredible. So it's like, hey, you want to hear the new song? It's like, <laughs> literally, it's like, I forget what it was, but it's like, you like being a 15 year old kiss at the height of their majesty and like we're hearing this song for, for before anybody else in the world wow and he goes and he was he was just so cool about it he was like even like did, did he say which song it was i they did in the book of course i don't remember that but uh uh was but it disco he, kiss was it metal kiss it it was 77 so what are what, it had been disco how many, kiss. How many <laughs> it was right before they got into okay. that so um uh, so yeah, so it's like like even offered him cookies, and yada yada yada. So uh, so yeah, so it's like and from that day on, it's like when they reconnected years later. Yeah, it's like I remember you guys. That's I, awesome. Yeah. And then to stick with Anthrax, the shirt I'm wearing here tonight, uh, <laughs> in Scott Ian's book, they connected over the years. And of course, Scott Ian's a huge Kiss fan. He's got Gene Simmons on his tattooed on his knee. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, invited him to his bachelor party. Not thinking that Gene Simmons would show up. It's like, uh, out of a courtesy, I'm, you know, 
And, and that's uh, when he was getting married to Meatloaf's daughter. Yes. Yes. To Pearl. Pearl. Pearl yeah. a day. Yeah. yeah. So, he, you know, and it's like, oh, gee, he lives like an hour away. And I'm like, blah, blah, blah. He's not going to show up. And sure enough, he showed up. What? And he was like, I never would have thought. He's like, no. I was like, I was honored you invited me. It's like, so I'm here. What if I invited him? Yeah. Would he be honored if I invited well, him? And, but it, it also goes back to <laughs> being the celebrity, like you're always around people and you're always being asked to do something. Right? And I think it's like, no, no one ever asked me to do this stuff. Because they just think that I'm I'm going to drop him a note and go, hey, my 30th anniversary is coming up. <laughs> I would love for you to come out and cook us a meal for our 30th anniversary. Actually, I know that you've got fire I mean... on the burgers. <laughs> enough. Yes. 100%. <laughs> I'll do all the cooking. You just spit. Just, yeah. just spit I'm, fire on my buns. I'm going to I'm going to hold the hot dog up. You could just spin and roll. Rock and roll. That is. I want that so much in my life. But no, it's just like and, and that's and that's story after story. It's like he gives <laughs> off this projection that he is you know unreproachable and and you know but He's wow! Not, yeah, well, interesting. Because yeah. he does seem like a prick. Yeah, just like king. I just think he king a hole likes giving off that vibe, but he's probably he's keeps really people not. away from him. Yeah, and that's probably what it is. Probably yeah. gets tired of hangers on. Yeah. yeah, unless they're female, and then he's yeah. like, "Hey, bring it." But he also, but in the Scotty Inn book, he also said that you know where he lived, where Gene, where his mom lived. He's like, I would go to my mom's house to get away from all of it, and he goes, I would just hide out in my mom's house. And Scott Ian said, yeah, I went to elementary school right down the street. He's like, I bet you, you drove past my mom's house and I was sitting there in the kitchen drinking coffee, reading the newspaper as you were driving, going by on your school bus in the third or fourth <laughs> grade or whatever it was. He's like, that's, you know, that's crazy story to think yeah. that you were that close to one of your heroes and didn't you know, know 15 it. feet from yeah. uh, stardom or whatever that yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like that's I guess I would talk about Kiss, but I'll talk about those stories to Gene Simmons. I wouldn't ask about necessarily his, but what he remembers about right? stories that people have told about him. Man, how do I top that? <laughs> I would love to. Okay, I think uh, number one on my list would be um, Rob Halford. Just oh. Rob Halford's the man. I just the, he has to have unique stories. Absolutely, unique stories that are only his. Because when he was coming up in the seventies. It wasn't cool to be gay and be a front right. man in a band. Right. Like, you know, he didn't come out until the mid 90s. Like, Even though know. it really wasn't fooling anybody. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, I still remember the day that I came to work and this guy that I know, uh, Shannon, he looks at me and goes, Hey, man, what do you think about Rob Halford? I'm like, Oh my God, did Rob Halford die? He goes, No, no, no. What do you think about the news? I'm like, Oh my God, did Rob Halford die? He goes, No, man, no. What do you think about him coming out? I'm like, what do you mean? Well, he came out <laughs> yesterday, and it's all over the news. I'm like, and this was my exact. I was stunned for four or five seconds, and I looked at him and went, uh, "But hasn't he always been right. out?" <laughs> I mean, honestly, I have never at ten years old. I saw Rob Halford for yeah. the first time. He was hosting some bit, some hour long thing on MTV, and at ten years old, I went, "There's something different about this guy." In 1983, <laughs> right? So the fact that he came out in like '98. Was yeah. not a shock to the system. Yeah. The shock was that people were shocked. That's where I was shocked. Well, people, I remember when it came well, when Freddie Mercury had AIDS, and I was in high school, and people were like, "Freddie Mercury is, is gay? Are you kidding me?" <laughs> the band's name. I was still remember. Yeah, I still remember that so vividly. I'm like, "What is the band's name? <laughs> Have you seen him Have move?" You seen- <laughs> I mean, shocked. The, the band might as well just been called "I Kiss Men." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. There's no way that was a shock unless you just had the blinders on and you didn't want to know. Right. 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 At a certain point, it's just, I don't want to know. Right. So I'm just not even going to think about it. Or even if I think about it, no way. Yeah. I mean, the Metal God, guaranteed, there were a good chunk of the fans that they had to know something. Yeah. But they're like, I can't admit that. That's yeah. Rob freaking Halford. Yeah. That's the, I mean, they call Bruce, uh, Bruce uh, Dickinson the siren. Freaking oh, Rob Halford. Oh, no, Halford, it is man. Rob Halford. Rob yeah, Halford. Yeah. I mean, to this day, he's 70 years old and he can still nail yeah. it. It looks like he's about to pass out when he does those high notes in Painkiller, <laughs> but he can still do it. He can still do it. And you can tell it's live because it's not quite there. It's a little raw, which is what I want. And Judas Priest, you know, you think of, okay, who's the first metal band? Black Sabbath, probably Universal, but you can make that, if you listen to those early, early, like 69, 70, Rob Halford is hitting those notes and mm-hmm. it's like, 
Yeah, perhaps we should rethink. This. Did you see the videos of them back then? Yes, they, they were actually kind of pseudo folksy. hippies. Kind of yeah, folksy yeah. thing is what their look yeah. was. The flowery. Yeah. Well, they shirts. didn't know what they were doing. You know? Yeah, and then Rob's like, "Hey guys, you yeah. know where I hang out and buy my clothes?" <laughs> and they're like, "Where's that, Rob? At this gay boudoir. Come on, let's get dressed." And that became that became the uniform. Absolutely, it's amazing. When you look yeah. at Slayer, all they are is like. Yeah. Really much gayer Judas Priest, yeah. right? And that, <laughs> if that's the look of gay, they are even really more gay, right? I, I, I love Slayer, and I, I just never wore the leathers head to toe like that. Uh, we it just we never was my off. gig. We couldn't pull off. I, I, I can't so even there. pull off long hair. You think I'm going to put I'm a leather on? I'm going to try now. Like if I had been doing that from 15, it's one thing. It's part of you yeah. know at 50, and I just start doing that. Yeah. People are like, "What's going on with you, man?" Now you're looking like you're trying too hard. Well, maybe we should. <laughs> grow my hair back. I'll have the I'll have the skullet going on. Or I'll just grow this little I have a little island here. I'll just grow that out. Yeah. Just that and hang it in front of my face like a Ooh, like a member the, of uh, uh, Misfits. Uh, the Misfits. Yeah. Makes it be look. bald in the back. But anyway, uh Rob Halford I think would be an interesting yeah. interview. Yeah. Uh just because he's got so many unique stories that are all his and he's been doing it 55 years, right? Yeah. He's got real stories and things that don't aren't necessarily about, you know, hey, what do you think of the song Ram It Down? You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think it jams. What do you think, Rob? You know? Um, what do you think of, uh, you know, when well, KK? Do you, do you want to punch KK? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, but it would be interesting to see if we could get comfortable enough where we just have a conversation where I'm not asking questions. It's more of a yeah. back and forth, a discussion of some yeah. sort. Yeah. Yeah. He seems like he's that kind of guy. He's wired that way. I didn't, I want to say, wasn't British Steel recorded at uh, John Lennon's house? Was it really? Hearst, I believe it was. It may not have been British. Maybe I'm just thinking British Steel because making that connection. Well, and what a way to start the But 80s. I think that, yeah, because I mean, because John Lennon wasn't living there and he was renting it out as a studio. And I know that one Priest record was recorded there. Really? And how sure. They, yeah, and how they rigged up the house to, you know, the guitars were in the bathroom and the drums were downstairs. It was and, while John was alive? Yeah. I think so. Okay. That, I think so. Well, British Steel came out in 80. Yeah. So and maybe John maybe, was still breathing until yes. December of that year. Yeah. So, yeah. So I mean, it was after yeah. that. He no was, way yeah. John was still alive. Okay. So it was, yeah. So it was before that. Gotcha. So, um, what came before, what was right before British Steel? What was their 78, 79 album? Me. <laughs> was it, it wasn't Sad and Wings of Destiny, no. was it? No, that was like 75. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but anyway, but I that that's something I would like to ask the whole how that came about and you know, and you're thinking about, you know, wow, I'm I'm on the same toilet as John Lennon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he maybe he thought John Lennon was hot and he was like, I'm on oh, John Lennon's yeah. toilet. Then you're like, I'm on Yoko's toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in John Lennon's bed. Which side does he sleep on? You know? So you just sleep diagonally at that point, so you can get both. Well, the stories you just kind of pick up. I don't. It's like, how, how? Why do I remember that? I don't know <laughs> where I even heard that. So feel free to fact check me. Uh, there you go. But my next one on the list would be, and again, I'm trying to go a little outside. I wouldn't say outside the norm, but maybe someone who wouldn't think about it would would be Eddie Jackson from Queensrÿche. If you, how he managed to keep this band around is quite remarkable. I mean, <laughs> I mean through. Everything they went through, I mean, just to get the band started in, I mean, 82, lead singer changes, ugly, ugly, ugly. And mm -hmm. you had one of those unique situations where you had two versions of the same band. Yep. You know, you had that, that whole 80s going thing, on. A lot of bands did that. Yeah. I mean, LA Guns, oh, Faster right. Pussycat, yeah. Bullet Boys, they all did that. Yeah, yeah. Great it White, was nuts. just said. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, how they kept it together, I mean, through all of the lineup changes and to have the guts to put out all of these the, the records that they they that, that they did you know the concept records mm -hmm. I mean for a metal band to do that and in the time that they were doing it I mean what was Operation Mindcrime you can totally tell that they loved them some Pink Floyd well like there's some stuff yeah, on there's yeah. obvious Pink Floyd but then yeah. when Empire came out and Silent Little City came out and that could have been an outtake from the Wall. I mean, really, yeah. it was like, man, that is well, heavy, dude. That's not even a metal band anymore. They did a whole record of covers, too. Take cover. Oh, yeah, Which yeah. had uh, Pink Floyd covers on it. That's true. So it's, Welcome yeah. to the Machine, didn't they yeah, do that? Yeah, they did yeah. Welcome to the Machine. And they did Innuendo by Queen. Oh, that's right. I love that I song. I mean, and the stuff that they did on that record. I mean, to, to pick those songs that they did. I mean, they did U2. I mean, they did Queen. They did Pink Floyd. I mean, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. I mean, yeah. it, and that, and that yeah. was still with uh, Jeff still in the band. Right? Yes. Yep. Because that was yes. what 15 years ago, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. 
So to think, I mean, they did all that through different generations of music. I mean, from 82 to now, they have not changed. If you listen to their records, they're all consistent. You know, they never changed their sound. And they were I don't know about kind that. of we- I mean, Rage Against Rage for Order compared to Here in the Now Frontier, totally different albums. I, yeah, I mean, I guess. But I think the spirit of their records, I guess, <laughs> like what I'm thinking. I don't know what I'm thinking. Uh, but going and, and then the two lead singers. Which they didn't really skip a beat. I don't. No. Uh, who was there before? There was a guy that can uh, Ilias uh, from uh, Y and T, right? Or um, was he? Yeah, they had a guy before Todd Latore that was in there for like okay. a minute. Uh, unless I could be thinking of one of those other bands that had like eighteen singers. Could Terry actually sang in Skid Row? Ah. See, there's where I'm getting confused. <laughs> but yeah, okay. Todd Latore is the, is a beast. If you've not seen Todd Latore sing with yeah. Queen Dreyker on his own. Do yourself a favor. And he was in Crimson Glory. And I love Another his- one you should probably go back and listen to. The uh, Transcendence. Yeah. That album. Oh, yeah. That album. Oh, my God. If I had no- listened to it maybe a couple looking. weeks ago. They were too silly yeah. looking for me in 1988 with the half mask looking like Phantom of the Opera. So I didn't give them a moment. But knowing the way the music I listened to when I got turned on to them 15 yeah. years later and I heard um, uh, the way that he sang and the music they played, which is American power metal. That would have been my favorite band in the world in 1988. <laughs> I know this. I know this. You know? But yeah, Tyler Torrey being able to sing that is yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah. And they were a Seattle band. And essentially, Seattle bands kind of put them out of business. Yep. I think that's also something that I would like to ask them about. Because <laughs> it's like, you're kind of, well, I wouldn't say the original. I mean, Jimi Hendrix and Hart, they were all from Seattle, too. But, you know, I'm not sure if any of the Seattle bands pulled influence from Queensryche. You know, it's like. Yeah, I am probably not, pro- but but none of them were playing Prague anything. But they were, but like Kurt Cobain was such an Iron Maiden fan, and you can what? like yeah, Kurt Cobain. Yeah, I can't picture that considering yeah. how much he hated guitar solos. He had a, a skateboard done up with with the Killers with Eddie on on it. it blew my mind. Which just, just now. sold the it actually sold at auction for a crazy amount of money. I had no idea. Yeah, no clue. Yeah. Because, I mean, every interview yeah. I ever saw him, and he had nothing but disdain but, for the entire scene. But Dave Grohl loved Iron Maiden. So well, that like I know. You could see, you know, that bit of a connection, I right? guess. So it's like, but you've never heard any of those bands reference Creenswike, you know? Right? So. Uh, I would talk to Lemmy if I could. I think that'd be a great interview because you don't ever have to talk about music, Lemmy. You just go, hey, Lemmy, drugs, and just stand back. And he's going to be like, oh, here's an hour of stories about me doing drugs. You know, there's this time, you know, I, I got really, really high and, and I hooked up with Dolly Parton and we went on a killing spree. It was crazy. It was nuts. It was out of hand. I'm Lemmy. It'd, it'd be great. It'd be fun. I mean, I've seen in- interviews with him and he's always just, he's not high energy. When he's talking. Yeah. But he's always entertaining. <laughs> you know, I, I heard, you know, everybody's got, he's, he's one of those legendary people. There's yeah. legends about him that you don't even know if they're true or not. And one of the stories I loved, uh, somebody was telling a story about, they were, they were uh, stage right at a Motorhead show. And one guy's like, hey, man, I got this blow. And they put this huge fat <laughs> line on this speaker cabinet. And they were just about to do this thing. And here comes this guy running up, pushes him out of the way. He goes, <laughs> Oh yeah, let's do this! And he ran out on stage. Lemmy came up and stole her, stole her, uh, stole her bump. And right before he went on stage, I don't know if that's true, but sounds yeah. like a Lemmy story. Yeah, I mean, he told a story about getting Hawkwind, a band that's all about getting high, just being psychedelic, you yeah. know, acid and whatever. Lemmy got arrested trying to cross into the United States from Canada carrying amphetamines. But when they arrested him and they wrote on the arrest sheet that he had acid or marijuana it was wrong technicality you're free to go hawk went fired him the next day anyway because he got he got oh, yeah. busted with amphetamines yeah not with acid no that's not the vibe we're going for you're fired but didn't he i think he he told his son that was his fatherly advice like don't don't do heroin do speed son that's like that was something like that it was like that was his advice so imagine lemmy being your dad Imagine, no. Could you imagine that? No. I, I, how do you make it through childhood? I mean, honestly, maybe he's maybe he was a really strict father. I doubt it, but uh <laughs> yeah. But it's weird, you know, like like Joe Perry from Aerosmith. 
had a kid who was my age. When I say kid, 49 years old, like had, had him very young. It's like, it's so weird. It's like, I'm almost 50 years old and I can say, yeah, there's my dad, you know, still international rock star. Yeah. Yeah. At, at 50 years old. It's yeah. It's got to be frustrating. <laughs> I, I'm thinking having a very successful parent would just but be he's horrible. Like, he's like a lawyer. He's also, you know, really, but like not even close to being remotely rock and roll at really? all. Yeah. How does so that happen? Like, yeah. So he's kind of like a very buttoned up kind of. He rebelled. He went with Amy yeah. Grant. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. He leaned towards the, you know, if he's going to listen to rock, he's listening to Petra. <laughs> that's what he's doing. So Lemmy is your Lemmy. Lemmy's my dad. Yeah, that's that'd be awesome. Actually, it's scary. As an adult, maybe L- Lemmy adopted <laughs> me as an adult, and we can go party. But if freaking twelve, I don't know if I, I could well, have been I'm able to hang. That there's a lot of uh, little Lemmys running around that probably probably, don't know about. <laughs> probably he didn't really he didn't have a whole lot of uh, he didn't distinguish. He liked women. Period. I saw him with every kind of woman: white, black, tall, short, heavy, skinny. He just liked women. He did. He liked women. He liked drugs. He really did. He was at the rainbow all the time getting drunk. And it, it, I'm sure he never had to pay for anything. No. And we was like, that's freaking Lemmy. Hey, man, you want to <laughs> smoke a joint? No, man, joints. No, nah, I don't want a joint. Hey, man, you want to do some meth? Freaking A, man. Give me some meth. Have you seen the documentary? Lemmy? No. Okay. And, and, and this is the, the uh, I'm going to get another email or a text from a friend going, you still haven't seen the Lemmy? Because <laughs> the last time you listened to our, uh, the last year we mentioned it, and he goes, I cannot believe you've not seen the Lemmy documentary, so I've got to seek it out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to ruin too much of it, but it is the most rock and roll. I mean, because again, you have everyone, everyone, they, you know, Dave Grohl, I mean, Lars, I mean, everyone right. is, is being interviewed and they all have a Lemmy story, oh, you know, man. and- it's yeah. It's I like, bet he was a blast to tour with, and as a tour manager, probably not. Tour manager is probably the most frustrating thing in the world. But as another band on the tour, I bet that's a blast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just out of hand. I probably can't hang. Right, twenty two years. I bet Motley Crue trying to hang with well, Motorhead back in the day probably had trouble. One one story from from the documentary I will share with you. It was from Zach Wild, who. Uh, he said, "Hey, you want to want to have a drink with me?" Well, sure, I want to have a drink with Lemmy. You know, <laughs> he goes. He grabbed a bottle. He goes. It was his backstage, and there's all these bottles of these fifths of Jack Daniels are lined up. So he grabs a bottle, opens it, hands it to Zach. It's like okay, but then Lemmy grabs another bottle, opens it up, and it's like I thought we were going to do you know have a shot. He's like, no, this is we're drinking. We're drinking a whole bottle. Of, <gasps> it's like. <laughs> like that was having a drink with Lemmy oh. was having an entire bottle of Jack That's disgusting. It makes me want to vomit <laughs> just hearing it. Just hearing it makes me want to throw up. That's just wretched, man. So I, that that's what's having uh, uh, having a drink with, with Lemmy. Maybe that's why he and Ozzy got along so famously. Like maybe. he and Ozzy were freaking bosom buddies, man. That would be the best show ever. Ozzy and Lemmy, college roommates. <laughs> Let that sink in. How awesome would that a great, be? A uh, great reality show, unfortunately. <laughs> Lemmy's passed on, but that would be something we could do. Yeah, if you could bring Lemmy back and have him do and a cartoon. No, have him, Ozzy, and Joe Walsh start a juice bar, <laughs> oh, no. and we'll film it, and we'll put it on TV. <laughs> I'm not playing the confession, man. I'm not doing it. I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we missed oh, we have One more. Do you have one more you'd one like more? to interview? Yes, actually, another one. David Coverdale, a guy who, when it comes to Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, why is David Coverdale is not mentioned ever? It's like you connect him with the band Whitesnake and their and the hair band era. Mm-hmm. When you don't look at this guy's full flipping career, yeah. it is amazing. Yep, and it's something where you really have to. And again, I had to. Okay, my memory. I'm like, okay, I'm like, I'm reading through the credits of David Coverdale. I'm like, oh my god. How is this guy not an absolute legend? How many singers in the 80s, once Whitesnake happened, they, how many bands got signed because they had a singer that sounded like Dave, yeah. David Coverdale? Yeah. And he became his own genre. All right? We're going to play rock, but you, if you have a singer like this, this is the type of music you're going to play. Almost, I, you know, all of those bands yeah. that had those type of singers. You know, what, uh, um, uh... I can't even remember. Just drew, drew a blank. There's a whole bunch of uh, well, Badlands. Badlands oh yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. obviously, uh, and, you know, um, he had a, an amazing voice. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, Ray uh, passed on, but that would have been amazing. But he replaces Ian Gilliam in 
in uh, Deep, Deep Purple. purple. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he replaced a legend. Glenn Hughes, I think, joined the band with him. Yeah, I'm well, pretty can you sure. Yeah. the two of them imagine singing together. Two, yeah. So you've got that, and then the band breaks up. He has a solo record called White Snake. Doesn't go anywhere. That's the, <laughs> the precursor to that. And then he comes up with with White Snake with basically the remnants of Deep Purple. So it sounded a lot like Deep Purple. But it's if you go back and listen to those first two records, they're amazing. But for the time. Radio wasn't playing that because the world was changing. That's not what they were playing, but they were so good. And then he realized they're so good. He reinvents them to give them an 80s pop polish and they become legend. Yeah, you know? re- they redid, the, they did a cover of Here I Go Again. And yeah. Boom, number one hit. Yeah. Oh, we got to mention uh, Bernie Marsden, who passed away, who yeah, came he, up with those Yeah, riffs. just what, yeah. like a few days yeah. ago? Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. But yeah. you look at the guys who he played with John Lord, Bernie Marsden, uh, John Sykes, Rudy Sarzo, Tommy Aldridge, Steve Vai, Vivian Campbell. All these guys were in his band. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every one of those guitar players out of hand. Yeah. 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 Every single one of those musicians. Oh, Adrian Vandenberg. Oh, yeah. Got to mention him. Vandenberg. That's another guy that never got the yeah. the success that I think but that he, he was didn't, he, he was Like owed. the original, that the White Snake record, he didn't play on it. was John no, Sykes. No, that was just Sykes. He, was he came in guy. and did the videos. Right, right. He and and um, uh, the guy that ended up in Def Leppard, you just said his name. Oh, Vivian um, Campbell. Vivian Campbell. Yeah. They came in yeah. and did the videos and the tour yeah. and stuff. But um, And he was actually, they. I think he was offered, when Dio left Black Sabbath, he was offered the job in Black Sabbath. Oh, really? And he turned it down. It's like, I probably, I did that once. You know, replace the legend. <laughs> yeah. Not going to do it again. Yeah, and then I'd be replacing two legends in one band. Can you imagine? I mean, because Born Again, I think that's the one that followed uh, Mob Rules, isn't it? Isn't that the? F- yeah, yeah. Yes. It was okay. Yeah, it was okay. But I mean, if David was on it, it would have been uh, markedly different. Yeah, probably it would have been more of a bluesy sound. Oh yeah, at that point in time. But then you kind of listen. I'm like, okay, what would Mob Rules sound like if David Coverdale was singing it? Because then you think, because you you listen to the Dio stuff, the you know the Dio singing Ozzy stuff. Totally different, oh, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And then you're kind of thinking, I think that might have worked, maybe. But worked. could he have sang War Pigs? I don't know. Can he? <laughs> I, I'm sure he can. Yeah. It just probably wouldn't yeah. sound the best. Yeah. You know, it, it would still sound great, but it wouldn't yeah. sound right. right. If, if you yeah. understand yeah. that, right? Yeah. It just would be, man, that guy's singing far too well. <laughs> <laughs> well, but Dio, I mean, when it first went out with Black Sabbath, you know, he was booed whenever they did the Aussie stuff, you know, so... But then I people would, caught on. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but Mob Rules and Heaven and Hell are impeccable records. Yeah. From beginning to end, you, you can't, uh, unmess withable. But, and I don't think of those records as Black Sabbath records. I think of them as Dio records. I can hear if that. You were, if, you were to t- if you were to say, as, you know, right, Mob Rules, I would say it's a Ronnie James Dio record. I wouldn't even really kind of equate it to Black Sabbath. I would always kind of think that that's a Dio's, Dio record. I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> Man, so we had some cool stuff to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I oh, and ex- also well, back to the cover. One thing on the cover because I also mentioned. Oh, yeah, yeah. That he also had a band with Jimmy Page. Oh, Coverdale Page. And then of he course. brings back White Snake, and it's like this guy is an absolute rock star. He should be doesn't get any run or love because again he's clumped into the a tawny contain. That's what you think. The, yeah, 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 yeah. Did I tell you my White Snake story? The concert story? No, of course not. Okay, <laughs> this so, is what the show is in, for. In 1990, they came to town with Bad English. I lived in Kinnaville at the time, and I didn't have a car. So a guy that I knew, Rob Thomas, no, Rob Williams, he was going to drive us down. Rob I bought, Thomas is the yeah. lead singer of Matchbox. <laughs> we, uh, I, I bought us tickets, and I'm like, "All right, you're driving us." And Rob, like, "We got to have a joint." So he drove all over, all over <clears throat> Noble County. It felt like forever, trying to find something because we're 16 and we don't know. And I'm like, look, man, we got to get rolling. He goes, you always said you don't like bad English anyway. Yeah, but it's 9 p.m. <laughs> I guarantee White Snake is on right now. Yeah. We got to go. We got to go. Okay. So when we finally got to town, pulled in the parking lot, walked up the door, the guy looked at my ticket and went, <laughs> just get, didn't even tear it. Just gave it to me. He goes, enjoy. So we walked in. I, I, I As fast as I could, I left him in the dust. Like, whatever, Rob. And we I get going. I walked through the little tunnel to get out on the floor. I turned the to the left to look at the stage and there Steve Vai literally hits the last note of his guitar solo. He puts his hands up in the air like a victory. It's just, it's completely black except for him and a spotlight, right? He puts his hands in the air like a victory. His guitar floats in the air with the spotlight following it. Lights out. Still the night. Good night. That's it. That's what I got. <laughs> oh, we could have fought. We could have fought right there and then. 
I, I wanted to punch his teeth out, man. We didn't talk the whole way home. I was, I, it's been 33 <laughs> and years, and solid. I'm still angry. You still have a grudge. It's solid. Solid work. How dare you make me miss Steve Vai's yeah. guitar solo? Of all things, <laughs> five minutes earlier, we have at least gotten to see Steve Vai's guitar solo, heard my favorite White Snake song, and it had been at least salvaged. But no. No, I got last note of the guitar solo, still in my good night. <laughs> so yeah, Rob, I still hold a grudge. Well, is there anyone else on your list? Oh yeah, I mean, we're, we're I mean, we, to the conclusion, the close Getty of this Lee, year. if you consider him metal, uh, but influential on it, metal. I love me some yeah. Getty Lee. I would love to talk to yeah. him. He just seems but like that's, an interesting again, guy. That's one of the, again, when you get these iconic names, it's like, what has he not been asked? You know, that's the exactly. hard thing. And, and us being the professionals that we say we are, that's what we're looking for. We're not looking for, just like you said, oh, it was a new record. Yeah, 2012, like, yeah, great. You're, <laughs> right. You're looking for another story. And I love it when I interview any type of sports guy. It's like, wow, no one's ever asked me that question. That is That just it feels fills good, my heart it? with joy when mm-hmm. someone says that. You know, Wow, that's a good question. Or, I can't believe I'm telling you this. I get that, too. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Do they ever tell you stories in a foreign language so you don't understand? No, you don't get that. But it's like you kind of dig into their childhood a little bit. And it's like, okay, I remember this time. It's like, oh, I can't believe I'm telling you this story. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> you know, it's like, so it's like that's the kind of stuff you, you'd want to, to dig up. Right. You know? So yeah. Gene Simmons has been embarrassed once or twice on stage. Like, that's what I want to hear. Right? <laughs> I mean, there's some other people on my list. You know, Mick Mars, just because... I've never, ever in my life heard an interview with Mick Mars. Really? Never. I think I've maybe heard one or two. So I just would, yeah. I'd like to see if he was in the mood to talk that day. Because <laughs> the other ones, they are, they, they are just too much yeah. into themselves. Mick just seems like more of a, I'm just here to lay it down. He's an right? Indiana guy, too. I was, hunting, and that's what I would right? talk about. Yeah, he's from Oh, hunting. yeah, that's right. So that's, that's what I, I would talk about. I always forget he's a Hoosier. Yeah. So like, that's constantly. the stuff I would talk about. And I, well, if I talk to Axl Rose... I talk about, I think he's from Lafayette. I think Lafayette, where yeah. He's from. He yeah. and Izzy both. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But I don't think they had very good childhoods from what no. I remember reading. So I don't no. think they would probably go there. No, I don't think that William Bailey had a whole lot of friends in Indiana. Yeah. He was a little, yeah. I mean, there's one thing if he lived in a city. But the city, the town he lived in was a town, yeah. right? And they're not down with these long hairs in 1983, <laughs> right? What but, are you doing? Uh, I heard an interview with, with David Lee Roth, who's from Indiana. He was born in Indiana. Yep. It was, didn't. I think he was maybe here like six or seven or whatever it was, and they moved formative years though. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean that that's the where kind was of David stuff. from? Somewhere down south, South Indiana. I, think. Yeah, I can't remember. I think where. I, I want to say I want to say Bloomington. Okay, area? I can't remember. Yeah, I can't either. But yeah, but that's the kind of stuff. So there's people who are on this list that we could keep on talking about. Yeah, we could go for but two days. Yeah, but it's like that. The, that's the kind of stories that I would try and drum up out of people. So that's always fun. Yeah, it's the challenge of it. Yeah. There we go. I, there you go. I interviewed you. You interviewed me. Yeah. That was fun. But you, oh, before we, Corey Taylor is a guy who I interviewed. Do you interview Corey Taylor? No, I did interview uh, Paul Gray. Okay. The bass player. He ended up dying, uh, whatever Paul's number that was. was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but um, that was an impromptu interview. I was doing an interview. Okay. We're yeah, gonna... we're t- well, let's talk. We'll tell the story. No, this okay. is a great story. Okay. So um, 2004, OzFest. Uh, it was my first year doing the metal shop. And I got a whole bunch of interviews. When I went to metal shows, I didn't go to watch the show. I went to work. Yeah. And I did a dozen interviews that day. It was work, 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 work. I didn't really get to see the show at all. But I was hanging out with Des Fafara from Cole Chamber and Devil Driver, talking to him. And my phone rings right in the middle of the interview. Like, oh, my God. I turned my phone off. And we finished the interview. And afterwards, I'm leaving, uh, getting off the bus. And Des is like, so um, what you got going on here right now? I said, I don't have another interview for like an hour. So I'm, I'm just going to go wander. He goes, well, you want to hang out, have a beer? We got the barbecue going. I'm like, yeah, I will have a beer <laughs> and eat some barbecue with Des Fafara. So we're hanging out, talking, me and him, and a couple other band members, having a great time. And I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, somebody called. I got to figure out what that is, and called my voicemail, and just I could feel the blood rush out of my face as I'm listening to this interview because it's Slipknot's road manager. He goes, hey, this is so and so. I'm the manager for Slipknot. I got an interview at such and such time with Paul Gray. Where are you? Well, that's such and such a time. I was sitting down with Des Fafara. They were both Roadrunner bands. I was never told I had an interview yeah. with Paul Gray. No one ever told me this. It was just a surprise. Yeah. And I went, oh, my God, what am I going to do? How do I even get a hold of this guy? Are they even going to want to deal with me? And um, Des like, what happened? I told him. And there was a guy sitting across from me at the table. He goes, I can help you out with that. I got a hookup. Went, really? What's up? And he goes, hi, I'm Sid from Slipknot. I'm like, What? So he, and then I recognized his uh, Transformers tattoos. Yeah. And I'm like, what? And he called the guy. He goes, hey, I've been sitting here. He was doing an interview with Dez. 
He can, and he goes, hey, he wants to know if you can come over right now to this this trailer, and he, Paul's going to give you 15 minutes. I'm like, I'm on my way. And impromptu, no kind yeah. of uh, 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 plan. Went in, did a 10 or 12, 15-minute interview with Paul, had a great time, talked metal, got done, and that was when I went, I could probably do this for a living. <laughs> it was a good day. It was a good day, but that was crazy. It was, yeah. a, it was a good day, you know, breaking bread with Desafara and getting the interview with Slip, uh, with Paul yeah. Ray all at the same time. I saw yeah. Corey leaving the trailer as we okay. walked in. He's not a big man. He's like 5'6 well, or 5'7 or yeah. something like that. The uh, voice makes him sound yeah. so big. Yeah. His yeah. voice is huge. But he's a guy who I would, because we're the same age, and it's like all the other people we've on this list, like, People who we grew up with. That's true. You know, and the, this he's no, this we're the same age here. So it's like you share the same experiences. So it's like if I'm talking who's but there's so many there's not many people who I consider rock stars anymore. Dave Grohl and I think Corey Taylor is 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 one of them because he does not take himself too seriously. You know, Slipknot is one of the most brutal, I mean, intense bands ever. But then again, you see him playing live and he's singing the SpongeBob. Right, you know, theme song. He doesn't. He's having take, a good time. Yeah, he's having a good time. It's like he appreciates every genre of music. And if he wanted, to, it's like I'm going to start a jazz fusion band. Okay, I'm all in. <laughs> yeah, I'll give, you, I'll, I'll give you a day I'll, in court. Yeah, yeah. It's like I would buy it because like he can really do anything. And he's one of those rare talents that I think that he could do anything. And I'm, I'm, I'm in. And the metal you know? scene needs Slipknot. And I know that yeah. some people don't want to hear that, but every the metal scene needs their big dog. And right now, for the last ten or fifteen yeah. years. Almost twenty years, it's been Slipknot. Absolutely. They're the kings, right? Uh, Metallica. Well, but again, I mean, but they're on a different but again, level from that generation, from from the new metal scene. I guess Slipknot are the kings. That they are. Yeah, you're right. You know, so yeah, they're still they're still going to pack them in. Yep, <laughs> always a good time yeah. too, man. I've never gone to a Slipknot concert left and went, man. They really phoned it in. <laughs> <laughs> they bring it, man. They done brung it every time I saw yeah, them. Yeah. Well, and I I remember when Prince died. And Corey Taylor played this amazing version that night of Purple Rain. Like, it was playing live. And it was like, wow. I mean, it must have been like, Stone Sour. They're not going to do that in a yeah, Slipknot concert. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I, actually, I think, again, I have to look it up, but I think it was just him impromptu. Oh, okay. Just literally showed up somewhere oh, and I played gotcha. Purple Rain. Wow. That's so, cool. yeah. But he has such an appreciation. He's such a fan of the music. That and he's, he's that it's like, I don't think I would talk to him about Slipknot or Stone Sour or a solo work. Just talk about the bands you and I loved growing up. Talk about what it's like <laughs> to grow up in Indiana, Illinois, Iowa, yeah. Nebraska. It's all the same state. Yeah, <laughs> we're yeah. all the same state. It's yeah. all flat as a pancake and covered with corn. Yeah, you know, from here, from Indiana, from well, Western Ohio till to Eastern South Dakota, it's one big state. It's all what it is. It's just one big flat state. <laughs> so boring. Well, that's kind of depressing to end this on. <laughs> <laughs> We're so well. I'm. We hope we entertain you uh, tonight or today or whenever you're listening. To this, so. There you go. So maybe it's not so boring. Maybe not. All right, Shane. Have a good night, man. All right, man. Stay heavy. <laughs>